Hi, this is Steve Harkadon, and welcome to the first session of our last day of the Learning 2.0 conference. So exciting, so much fun to have you here. I'm delighted to have Angela Myers here. Welcome, Angela. Welcome, everybody. The Learning 2.0 conference has received some sponsorship and support, thanks to Follett and Intel and Mighty Bell Blackboard Collaborate, taking it global, EdWeb, and Edutopia. Most appreciated. Angela, it's delightful to have your bright and cheery voice at this time of the day. For those of us in the United States, many of us are just starting, so thanks for being here. Are you ready? I'm never ready, and I am always ready. <laughs> I wanted to introduce, I was going to surprise everyone later, but we have our special guest came early, so I put in the chat room, I'm very honored and thrilled to be joined in conversation today with um, Paul Reynolds of Fable Vision and his amazing genius brother, twin brother, Peter H. Reynolds. Um, I'm sure that you know his books, Ish, my favorite book, and Dodd, and several of the other projects that we'll be talking about. And um, I'm just want you to give them a huge welcome and a and a great hug from our community. And I'm trying to manage the chat room also. I actually wasn't expecting very many people to come because it's so early. So I'm excited we have people in the room and I know them. So happy, happy Friday. When I was thinking about a topic that would be a great way not only to end the week of conference conversations, but to think about as we begin our school year because we get all excited in the summer and we're really thrilled about all the, the virtual connections we've made and the face-to-face -face connections and we're gearing up for the year. And then sort of um, normalcy hits us and we start getting back into that scope and sequence mindset and here's what we have to cover and here's our grade level and here's what we have to do and that no child left behind kind of mindset starts creeping in and, and little by little we start recognizing that our passion wanes throughout the year. And so I wanted to make sure that we not only started with what mattered and, and kept that going, but I was able to give you a framework today that teachers are using in their classroom to ensure not only that no child left behind, but no single genius of any individual in the classroom left behind. So I'm sending this to President Obama, whoever's going to be there. I think this should be the new title of our rewritten, rewritten law, not NCLB, but NGLB. You like it? <laughs> um, so I'm going to start out with a bold statement. And many of you know that I feel very, very convicted about this statement. And, and a question that comes with this statement. I want us to think really, really seriously about what would happen if this was the standard. If every student and every teacher was recognized not only by their peers and community, but by the world and understood that they had a duty to share their genius with the world. Imagine what school would be like. Imagine what our classrooms would be like. Imagine what we could produce um, individually and collectively. In the next hour, you're going to get a real sense of what that possibility is when teachers and students and the entire community does what I call owning their genius and then taking seriously their responsibility to contribute that genius to the world. Classrooms 
that recognize that genius is more, that this statement is more than an act of encouragement or a well-meaning attempt to boost self-esteem or to kick off the year in a cute way. They see this as a call to action individually and collectively. The truth is, not the truth we've been told, but the truth is that we are in the presence of genius every day. We are surrounded by it. And we ignore this knowledge that every single person has some unique talent, some unique skill that no one else on earth has. And more importantly, that someone else in the world needs. We can't mandate this. We can't expect this. We can't demand this. We can't command genius to show up. We have to very gently and systematically work to notice it and find a language to value it and create conditions and procedures and protocols that inspire it. And that's what I want to lay out for you today. I want to make the point of what happens when we don't have those procedures and protocols in place. I do this experiment where I walk into different grade levels of classrooms and in my work with adults. If I ask the room full of adults today or a room full of 300 adults or 30 adults to raise their hand and to claim that unique talent or genius out loud, to stand up with pride and rise up to be noticed, how many individuals would be standing realistically in a room of adults or a room of high school students? Not from a um, superficial way, but from a, a truly um, place of ownership and responsibility. Just stick your, your, um, you know, your percentage in the in the chat room. You think 90% of the adults would stand up, or 80% of the high school students would stand up? What do you think? And I've done this hundreds of times, so I've got some unofficial data. Wow, you guys are very, very. Uh, optimistic. <laughs> it's actually lower than that. It's, I usually get about one, that's right, Derf, I usually get about one to three percent that really mean it. But when I walk into this classroom of 35-year-olds, now what's the percentage? Exactly, Gail. Always, 100 percent. And if one child doesn't, the community demands that of that individual. No, Johnny, you are this. Oh, Sam, look at this. Oh, Peter, look at what you did. And, and it, again, it is not from a self-esteem perspective. It is from a responsibility perspective. There's some pretty serious data on this. When we deny our ability to notice and to value and to expect genius from one another, it starts lying dormant. We start suppressing it. We start holding it back. This is some research I forgot to put the, as I was changing colors, <laughs> I forgot to put the, um, uh, this is from Ken Robinson's book, um, Out of Our Minds, or Out of Our Mind Creative. And so it's a study with 20,000 adults. Harvard has replicated very similar studies at Project Zero. And that in kindergarten, when you look at the attributes of genius individuals, individuals who contribute something to society and to the world, that helps the world solve a problem or, or celebrate something new, unique, or different. Kindergarten students, five-year-olds, have 90% of those 28 talents and touch points. And by the time they're eight, we're lucky if we've kept 30% of it. 
by the time they're 15, 9 out of 10 do not own their genius. And we're graduating them with a degree that says, here's your grades, but your genius has been denied. Then we seek the rest of our adult life trying to figure out what we were born to do. We can change this. We can't change this. I'm not saying this in a superficial way. I'm dead serious. We can so change this immediately. It takes not a shift in curriculum, not new technology, not bazillion dollars of money. It takes a very, very different mindset and a very different conversation in the way that we talk to kids and most importantly in the way that we talk to each other. We are the most important element in this change process. If we say these words and we look in kids' eyes and we don't believe them ourselves, they will know in a heartbeat. They will know when you're authentic and when you're not. When you look them in the eyes and say, you are a genius and I expect, not only I expect, the world expects your contribution. That's very different than saying, oh, I think you're doing a really good job. It's saying, I need you. You are essential. You matter that much. Each and every one of you matters in a very specific way. So I'm ready to change that conversation, and I hope you are too. I want to show you what it looks like when teachers have done this. The very first step in leaving No Genius Behind, and I'm using this globally with teachers and students, is the redefinition, the community redefinition of what genius is. No more buying into this story that genius is something that only uh, a certain few of us have, that it's a DNA anomaly that was only invited to you know, some lucky people in the world, and very few of us have the ability to be remarkable and to do extraordinary. Our history is, is plastered with ordinary individuals doing extraordinary things. This is how Seth Godin defines extraordinary contributions in the 21st century. Any individual that can solve a problem in a way that it has not yet been addressed. Any individual that can look at that problem and change the rules of how you go about handling it. Someone who's willing to do the work of a human being to make an impact in a way that other human beings are affected. Someone that's ready to give the world something it didn't know it was missing. That's what Steve Jobs did with the iPhone, with the, I, with, with the iPod. We didn't know we needed that until he said, you know what, you didn't know you were missing this. That's what genius is. Do you know anybody like that? I want you to look inside and outside. You are in the presence of genius in this room. Do you know anybody who can do that, who can solve problems with fresh eyes and unique perspectives, who knows how to make an impact on other human beings? and who gives gifts to the world that the world didn't know it was missing and now can't imagine um, living without. Yep, exactly, exactly, exactly. The Fred Fractor, I love that book. I love that book, I love that book. We do not have less genius than we did in the times of Einstein and da Vinci. We have genius that is lying dormant. And that is our biggest challenge and our greatest opportunity. So I put a system in place that within our own adult culture, as leaders and teachers work together, within our classroom culture, as teachers and students work together, 
and as I want all of us as citizens of the world to work with one another. It's very simple. It's a framework that I call notice it, value it, inspire it. So if we take responsibility to do this systemically, suppression group, why even Microsoft Society, I'm, I'm trying to read the chat room too, I want to be in your talk. That's absolutely right, absolutely right. So here's what that looks like in different classrooms in different places. And again, it starts with this bold statement. I have been so thrilled every day in my email or on Facebook, I'm receiving images from teachers who have in their own way started with this bold statement. I want you to put, your place, or put yourself in the place of these students in this school. And you're walking in the first day of school, or you're walking into a staff meeting, or you're walking into the office, and you see this hitting you first thing. How would you feel if your name was on that board? How would you perform? How would you impact, see, and view others around you? Just take a, a few seconds and think about that. In any shape, in any form, there are so many pictures, I just picked the global one. But in whatever way, if this was in front of your face every day, even if at first you didn't believe it, and that's okay, because you can act as if <laughs> this works. Just make your body do it until your brain believes it. It changes people. And for the students in the following classrooms that you'll meet, you will see that they take their responsibility to own their genius and to contribute it in very concrete ways. This is a classroom of five-year-olds where they have studied the lives of genius individuals, individuals that have done those things that Seth Godin talks about, that have solved problems in unique ways, that have contributed something that the world didn't know it needed, that has brought a human aspect to other human beings in a way that has forever impacted them. And whether these five-year-olds will end up doing their genius in this way, the fact that they're thinking like this is significant. I'm a genius because I help people with cancer. The world needs me to help save people's lives. This is what's really important in the language. The world needs me. If you knew that your behavior was needed by someone else, it changes everything. It's different than feeling important. Being essential is different than feeling important. This is Brooke. I'm a genius because I'm an artist. I'm also cute. <laughs> the world apparently needs both cute and uh, genius artists. I'm a genius because I recycle. The world needs me to help keep the world clean. These are not just sweet statements. These are proclamations of what you will do and what you will take responsibility of doing. And it's amazing to watch the transformation just by seeing this every day. You are a genius and the world demands your contribution. One of my favorite definitions of genius was a group of seventh graders in Mrs. Bowles' classroom. And this is how the students described how genius fuels their learning. That when they're at work, this is actually a sign they put on their head, like genius at work, don't, don't interrupt. Our genius calls us to take on challenges. Facing those challenges, we acquire the habitudes, habits, and attitudes to pursue our work in the world. We build our character, and we then become authorities, that we, were, we become the authorities we were meant to become. It feels like love. 
I just want you to let that resonate for a minute. It feels like love. There's something euphoric about being needed. It brings energy that you can't imagine that you have. It allows you to, to tackle challenges that you didn't think you, that you think you were capable of, that you didn't have the energy for. This is what noticing and valuing an inspiring genius is all about. It's about owning it as a group and collectively. Now, I know that there are individuals in the room that are doing this work right now and have made the shift in the conversation. And I, I would love them to take the mic. Lori Hansen. <laughs> Did you hear me? Yes, share a link. Do you want to take the mic as well? I'm shutting up. She cannot take the mic. She okay. can now. Lori, if you have a microphone, just click on the top button at the top left. All right, so we'll, okay, she's going to share a link um, of her students, and I'm going to move on, and anyone can take the mic. Here are some concrete examples, I know I caught her by surprise, of what noticing looks like. Noticing is a really important stage of letting genius emerge and letting it develop. It takes a bit. We operate differently when we become master noticers. I, as a writer, and Peter as an artist can speak to this, it, it changes how you live your life. I carry a notebook everywhere I go. And I, I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I am in a state of constant noticing. If you follow a three-year-old, in the world and step behind them and watch how they experience the world, they are in a constant state of noticing. Look at this. What about that? Did you see this? Somewhere we lose that and we have to get that back. Once we notice, I want to choose very carefully individuals that have met that criteria, that have what we call the habitudes, the habits and attitudes that allow them to contribute work that does those things that solves problems, that presents the world with something that's missing, that is a gift to humanity and other individuals, impacting them in huge ways. These don't have to be famous people, although that there, there are so many examples of, of who we could select. Again, we are surrounded by genius, past and present. As we notice, we want to give language to what we notice, not about the genius contribution, but about how they use their genius in order to, to, to do that courageous work. And so in room 107, they look at this is, this is the how. They see genius as a verb. Genius means action. You, you can't get genius to show up when you're sitting on your butts and in seats and desks and rows. You've got to get up. You've got to act. And you've got to act in courageous, imaginative, creative, ways. You've got to understand how to adapt and to innovate and to problem solve. And so as students are looking at criteria that what, what makes a contribution remarkable, what makes a contribution worthy of the world, it requires a different way of acting and a different way of behaving. And we need to start collecting examples of that. When we have that language, it's easier for students to own and claim their own genius. To be able to say, 
this is what I do. This is my unique talent that no one else can quite do in the same way. And it doesn't matter how they own it. This is um, Emma. And I met Emma in a beauty shop. And she walked in with her 11-year-old sister, and Emma was three and a half. And she had her notebook with her, her sketch pad. And she announced not, hello, my name is Emma. She said, hello, I am Emma. I am an artist. And I make people happy. Can I make you happy? And she walked over to every woman underneath the, the dryer. She was fearless. And she shared her art graciously with us this morning. It, and, and her younger sister sat in the corner mortified. And I just, it, it broke my heart because at one point, her sister was Emma. So it doesn't matter what they say or how they say it or what words they use. They have it and they should be proud of it. As they get older, we can help them redefine and define what makes them a member of the world community that someone else would find essential. I am adaptable. This is how I know I'm adaptable. So if the world needs someone who is able to be adaptable in a situation, I'm the person to call. I am imaginative. This is how I know and this is how I show my imagination. This is what I do. So when something comes up and a problem needs to be solved and requires imagination, then that's it. That's who I need to be. This goes back to, again, our language. Our language is our most powerful superpower. And this is an activity that I've been actually doing with adults because it's harder to get grown-ups to claim their genius than it is to, to get kids. And I learned this, I, I, I should say I experienced this in a meeting this spring with the team from Zappos. I had the chance to work with the team from Zappos in April at South by Southwest. And as I was sitting at the table and I'm meeting the CEO of Zappos and everyone at the team, you know, I'm expecting him to say, hello, I'm so-and-so, I'm the CEO of Zappos, I'm the vice president, yes, Zappos the shoe company. And when I met them, Tony is like, I am the chief happiness officer. And then the next person said, I am the uh, purveyor of positivity. And I am the officer of optimism in the department of happiness. And and at first, I started to say, and I think I actually said this out loud, I'm like, oh, that's so cute. And then, boom, right after that, they gave me their job description. This is what I'm responsible for. This is what I do. This is how we, and I thought, wow, they are dead serious about their genius. And there was something extraordinary, rather than saying what their job title was, saying what they did to make their company remarkable, what they did to make other human beings more powerful, completely changed everything for me. So when I talk to leaders, I don't want to know I'm a principal or I'm a third grade teacher, I'm the technology coordinator. That's what you do. It doesn't tell me who you are and what your genius is. So if we encounter a problem together, I don't know who to call. And this very simple act of semantics, of just labeling ourselves different, allows us to see and work together differently. So this was a group of leaders at MassQ this last year, and, and it was, in the beginning, they were, um, I should say, not overly, you know, not overly excited about doing this. And then as we worked together, watching them come into their own genius, I'm the maven of motivation. I'm the chief collaboration officer. I am the great simplifier. I am the, the curator of awesomeness. I am, it was amazing. 
So as we problem solved real world problems that the school and the community was having, I was able to look at the list of genius traits and say, oh my gosh, I'm going to need Mary for that. Oh, you know what? This is perfect. Leo has got to be the one for this. And I, I cannot believe how significantly this has changed the work. And somewhere in my messy desk, I've got a couple emails from some of the leaders that have come back and I just got an email yesterday from a leader of a, a, a big company that I'm working with that we did. We, re, um, we rewrote their name tags in this way and speaking about how much that actually physically owning your genius up front changed everything. So your task by the end of the chat today or the end of the session today is you will not be able to leave. I'm not going to let you leave. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I will hunt you down. Um, until you introduce yourself properly to one another in the chat room. So be thinking about what is it in the genius that we are in the presence of that you do that no one else in the world can do that somebody in this room and certainly somebody in the world needs. So I want you to think about that. The last element of creating a culture and an environment that, that supports and grows and engenders genius is to place value on it. And we value things that we put time and attention to. We can't say we value something and then give it no time and give it no attention because our actions have to align with what we say we believe. And that's a big challenge for us in classrooms and certainly for us as a system is that we say we value every child and we say that we believe every child can succeed and we say that we want to support and grow individual differences and then our actions standardize the genius out of every living soul in the building. So value is about time. When we give time to something, we are saying with words and without words, this matters. So this is a group of teachers. It started with one classroom and then it grew to five classrooms, and now I can't even tell you how many classrooms are participating, that one hour a week, even if it's one hour a month, it's something. They are creating both virtually and in their, in their schools a genius hour. These teachers meet throughout the year on Twitter, and this was started by one of my students, Denise Krebs, and she blogs at Dare to Care. Um, and she tried it with her seventh graders and then shared it at her school, and then because of the magic community of Twitter, it has spread incredibly. Um, a colleague, uh, Eric Williams in York County, the superintendent, is going to systematize this K-12 next year. So Genius Hour will not be extra credit. It will not be a project that you do when the standards are all done. It will be a part of your responsibility as a learner and as a citizen of the world. So what I want you to have your breath taken away is that every teacher who gave time to genius was expecting that kids would be engaged and they were expecting that kids would be happy. I don't know if any of us were expecting that actually giving kids time would impact the world in the way that it's been impacted. So these genius hour projects have been contributed across different mediums and different mediums and spaces and have created world change. 
from this 11-year-old, this amazing 11-year-old girl who has now created an entire nonprofit because her genius project was researching and studying that children all around the world did not have school supplies even to study. And so this is her passport and her foundation. This is her first trip to Uganda so that she can meet the first children that she sponsored. Last year I worked with a group of fifth graders on a Genius Hour project and we pulled 65 countries in 122,000 classrooms to fight global illiteracy. This is a group of grade three students, grade three students, 23 of them that during Genius Hour, they are actually virtually building a library for these third graders across the world. And they're chronicling that um, structure and that foundation on their blog. I have over 300 stories that could, I could go on and on and on about what simply giving kids time and letting their genius be shared with the world, um, how the world can absolutely benefit from that. Do not underestimate what a powerful group of individuals can do when they are given respect and honor and time. Our community is a perfect example of this. Um, what I am working to do and what I'm very, very excited to announce is my call to action beyond the hour is to make sure that it is not just about giving the kids the hour to pursue what they think they might be good at or they might like. I define passion not by what you like to do, not by what you're even good at doing, but what you feel compelled to do. Passion is something you must do. And the best way to get genius to show up is to give genius a reason. The bigger the problem, the bigger the challenge, the more real the world issue is, the more genius will be demanded, and I guarantee the more it will show up. If we leave our students' genius capsuled in our own classrooms on the walls of our school, the world can't benefit. And this is an example of what happens. This is a young girl that contributed a genius project, and uh, her mother committed suicide. And so rather than um, understanding that her pain was solo, she knew that there would be other people that would need help. And so her video um, has now over a million hits, and it caught the attention. The work of these projects, which we call Choose to Matter Projects, caught the attention of Mariel Hemingway, who has an incredible foundation for suicide prevention. And we have connected, and that is Caitlin's first um, spread in Seventeen Magazine. She is now writing every month on a column that contributes to help young girls understand that their life, that their presence, that their, their world does matter, and that suicide is not um, the answer. So do not underestimate in any way, shape, or form the genius that is within inside any one of us, and absolutely what is powerful when our collective knowledge is leveraged. Which brings me to um, the data. Because everything that we talk about, what I fear is that we'll go back and say, oh, you know what, this is you know, a really cute idea, and I'm going to have my kids do this as an extracurricular project. When we talk about data-driven instruction, this is pretty significant data. That out of a half a million kids, a half a million kids, the only request they have from us 
please, please, we want to matter. We want to do work that matters, and we want to make it matter. Will you help us do that? That is what Genius Hour does, and we want to help you work through those hours. So this is where I share with you what your colleagues are doing, and then I'm going to invite our special guest to share a project that I'm working on um, with the community. This is what happens when you give teachers time. This was a private Facebook group that I was sharing with teachers this idea of what would happen if we pulled together? How do we want to choose to matter? And within two days, we had 2,500 educators join the page. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have a project in mind. We just knew that together we were smarter and that we could make change in a way that each of us individually could not. To date, I just looked on the page today, almost less than a week later, we have almost 6,000 educators that have signed up. And not only have they signed up, they have proclaimed their genius out loud. They said, we don't know what we're going to work on. We don't know how. All we are committing to is choosing the matter and taking responsibility of our genius. So here it is. You know that mine is a big mouth. You know that this person's genius is connecting and summarizing, that Amanda's genius is visuals, that Karen's genius is Google Apps, and now this document is over 600 teachers long. One of the teachers in the group asked me, how do I show kids authentic learning? And I said, show them screenshots of how we're working together as teachers. This is the kind of learner you want them to be. This is the kind of citizen you want them to be. This is the kind of, of opportunity that we have um, to change the world not just to exist in the world. Lori um, is going to take the mic right now. Hi, everyone. Thanks, Angela. I'm really excited to be working with you and with everyone here. Um, I just wanted to let you, we had a long week, uh, first week of school here for the kids, so um, Mary wanted to contribute something. And um, if you don't know, uh, Mary is part of the You Matter Young Leaders. She was inspired by Angela's original talk on You Matter. We had some kids together at our house. They started a blog. Um, but I talked to my girls. I talked to my girls about, um, can you hear me now OK? I talked to both of my girls about contributing a video. And um, we had a long conversation about it. Uh, like I said, we had a really long week, first week of high school. But last night, late at night, my daughter um, was wearing her You Matter artwork, and um, she talked about how uh, both of my kids talked about how important it is to understand that they are significant. And like Angela said, not just telling them, but making them feel that they are. And you know, if we go to the schools, say for example, have a talk, and you know they have bullying talks, and they're really not effective. The kids kind of just, you know, the teenagers especially, they they're not feeling it. So it's really important to genuinely let the kids know that they matter and that they are significant. Um, Mary said that her, uh, she did a really quick video. She said that her cloak of you matter is metaphorical. It's really quick if you want to take a quick look. Um, but just want to say thank you so much to Angela for all of her work and looking forward to, uh, to the movement together. So thanks so much. Thank you so much, Lori. 
And thank you, Mary. And I will put, uh, Lori, will you put the link to the um, Young Leaders blog and also to the video that they made? Because it's extraordinary. It's absolutely extraordinary. Um, this is a perfect segue into um, um, providing us as a global community as well as the work that you will do in your classrooms. But collectively, we have a chance to make our marks and help students and, and help teachers understand how much their contributions matter. And so I want to invite, I'm, I'm beyond excited, I'm a little giddy actually, it's still kind of a dream. Um, for those of you who um, have known and followed Peter Reynolds' work, he has, has been my idol for a long, long time and getting to meet Peter was breathtaking for me and the fact that I am working with him I still haven't quite wrapped my head around this, but um, Peter Reynolds and Fable and the incredible team at Fable Vision and I have um, joined forces to give um, a time and a place and a and a value to the marks that you make, and then to help you continue to try to connect those dots so that we can change the world. So, Peter, I'm going to have you or Paul take the mic and. I'm going to be quiet for just a little bit because I'll just like I'm I'm too giddy right now. <laughs> Angela, uh, it's so so good to be connecting the dots with you today, and uh, it's been exciting this past year connecting the dots with you, and also today connecting the dots with everybody in the room, and everybody in that room connecting dots with each other. It's it's really it's thrilling. For, for us, I say us because I have my twin brother, Paul, sitting right next to me. Hello, everybody. And uh, we're, being, we're broadcasting live from Dedham, Massachusetts, uh, 20 minutes from downtown Boston, where our studio, Fable Vision, is located. And we're out here at Fable Vision Learning. And uh, we're, we're just thrilled to be a part of this conversation, but it's, it really is more than a conversation. It's actually you know, dreaming but also doing. And that's what's exciting about this particular project, um, uh, which started as International Dot Day five years ago by a teacher in Iowa, Terry Shea, uh, who's, uh, one of his students asked um, what, uh, if the release date, which they saw on Amazon September 15th, was, um, was the birthday of my book, The Dot. So he, of course, said, well, why don't we write to him and they wrote to me and asked me if September 15th was the birthday of the dot. And uh, they decided to have a, uh, a birthday party, which turned into Dot Day, which then turned into International Dot Day, because Terry posted it on, on his Facebook page. And that's the beautiful thing about 2.0, is uh, people can uh, participate and jump in and, uh, and wing it. And, take it in new directions and adapt it locally, which we're, we're big fans of. Before I go any further, I do, did want to ask sort of a, 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 a quick survey question. How many people out there in this room are artists? Because it's a question I love to ask when I travel to classrooms and at conferences. So we've got Jennifer is, Lori is an artist. This is awesome. I'm definitely, I'm hanging out with the right crowd. What, and keep going. And for people who say they can't draw, um, I actually have a phrase for that, and I 
I see rather than say you cannot draw, you can say I'm artistically challenged. Um, and it's interesting because when I go and I speak to audiences, uh, well, in kindergarten and first grade, I say who's an artist, all the hands go up and, you know, second, third grade, half the hands go up and in third and fourth grade, I start getting sort of twitchy shoulders and maybe, you know, a few kids hold it, put their hand up. And around sixth, seventh grade, they'll usually point to one person and they'll point to the class artist. And I think, you know, wow, how sad is it that it really only took a matter of a few hundred days for most of those kids to shut down and to say that their marks did not, did not matter. And in the same way that Angela is challenging us to redefine what genius is, I've been having an absolutely delightful decade challenging what does it mean to be an artist. Because our knee-jerk response many times as adults is, I am not an artist. And to me, an artist is someone who, who is brave enough to express what they're thinking. And that, to me, is a really powerful, lifelong skill that we can give kids, uh, is to give them that freedom and that bravery to say, my ideas matter. So when I teamed up with uh, Angela, uh, it was just thrilling. She flew out to Boston and we it was like fireworks over Boston Harbor when we started sharing our missions. And the idea that making your mark, and obviously the dot is, it, it looks, it's a book about a little girl who says she can't draw and a teacher who thinks differently in more ways than one. It looks like an art book. And in fact, I, a lot of times people will you know, pick up the book and they'll say, oh, I'm going to give it to my art teacher. And I think, well, that's terrific. Um, but it really was meant for all teachers and in, in all subject areas because it's a metaphor using art, but it's really about being brave, about expressing your ideas, but also sharing that, sharing your genius. So um, all the, the elements of the Choose to Matter mission are absolutely welded to the, the mission of the dot and, of course, my book, Ish which gives kids uh, some vocabulary to defend their ideas. Um, so uh, on September 15th, or I say 15th-ish because the 14th is a Friday, uh, if you haven't already signed up for, for the international .de experience, it's really easy to do. And um, I think we've, uh, the URL will be shown at some point. Oh, there it is. Thank you. Um, but it's really easy to sign up and join at currently we've got over 153,000 kids and teachers from around the world going to celebrate that day, setting time aside to make their mark, but also to really think about how does your mark matter. And your mark, it might be art, it could be sculpture, it could be a song, uh, it could be a film, it could be a poster, it could be a, a, a a TED talk, it could be uh, really any, any way that you think that you could make, make a difference and using your talents and gifts to make the world a better place. Uh, I'm big on mission. Uh, I love to ask that question, what is your mission? In fact, it's, it's a cool question to ask kids this year, what's your mission? Um, I, another question I love to ask is who are you? And that's why I tell kids that school is important because we learn to read, write, and problem solve, but it's to get to know who we are 
and then how are we going to make a difference? Um, I love challenging all of us to show our mission, our genius, our dreams, and the, the more that we, we paint about it and draw about it and write about it and sing it and film it and app it and share it, uh, the, not only the, will it have impact, but you'll also find people who are willing to help you. And that's one thing I've, I've discovered on the journey, that there are so many people willing to lend a hand. If you don't tell me what your dream is, I cannot help you. So when we ask kids, what is your dream? What is your goal? What is your mission? How are you going to make it matter? Uh, there are people who are standing by, ready, waiting to, to reach out and help, help that child. Um, I'm, I'm uh, going to sort of leave you here with uh, the, again, the invitation to be, be a part of that day, but it really is a, it's a year-long experience and a lifelong experience. And I have my, my five Bs that I like to leave off with, and it's a challenge, um, but these are five important challenges. Be brave, be inspired, be inspirational yourself, be an original. And the last one is an important one, be active. Actually use your talents and gifts to make the world a better place, move us to a better, a better place. I, I just want to give a big kudos to, to, to Angela for really picking up the torch and carrying it for uh, a decade plus and for really igniting the movement and giving, giving us a, a forum, a community, the glue to find kindred spirits, to connect the dots, and really together we, we can truly, we can, we can change, we can change the world. So thank you, Angela. Really appreciate the opportunity to connect with you and to everybody out there. Uh, let's keep connecting the dots. I love you, Peter. I'm so smiling. Paul, I didn't know if you wanted a chance to say anything, and then we'll share um, just a little bit of uh, specifics and details that we won't go over today, but just so that you know they're in the deck on how to get connected and stay connected with us. Paul, but I wanted to give Paul a chance to take the mic. They might not be here. So I'll just move to the next page. Um, for ideas, just so we, as Peter said, we have a year-long series of global events planned um, to help you begin to make your mark and to help um, bring value to that mark and then to help take action on those marks to change the world. The first global event, as Peter said, is September 15th-ish. <laughs> and we are very, very excited to announce that Skype in the Classroom will be supporting our efforts in helping teachers and classrooms and communities come together seamlessly using um, amazing technology. So all of this, um, the details of how to sign up and how to participate and how to find other teachers and classrooms and kids to share, um, share your mark with each other is in a free downloadable educator's handbook on the Dot .day website. And we're working right now with Skype so that we can make it a one click, but right now it's two clicks. So there is directions on how to sign up on the Skype network so that you can be a part of a database that will help you search and find other teachers and classrooms to participate, not just on the day since it is Saturday, 
but throughout the week so that um, all you really have to do is give time and let this genius emerge. It's going to be an extraordinary event without um, a lot of, you know, deep, deep uh, structures. As Peter said, we already have almost 150,000 students participating. We have entire cities and communities participating um, to read the dot book to one another. And um, we have almost 6,000 on the Facebook page that are just waiting for, you know, waiting for the handbook and directions. So we invite you to, yes, we're working on a press release this week. It was a kind of a, I was out um, of the last couple of weeks. I had a, a death in my family. So um, right in the middle of all this planning, um, I had to be in a different place. So we are getting everything organized, and you'll be hearing lots of things in the next week or two. So we're just thrilled to have Skype supporting and helping teachers easily connect with one another. And I, I couldn't be, um, you know, prouder and more excited to work with this team of people at Fable Vision with Peter and to have this amazing network um, to help me change the world. And to watch teachers every day in this network after school and before school help each other and inspire each other, they are living, you know, I always say that Genius lives by a to-be list, not a to-do list. And every day I see individuals that go to school and feel beaten down and feel like they don't matter and then emerge in this group and be brave and be beautiful and be generous and be courageous. And it literally takes my breath away. So I invite you to join us in any way that you can with whatever genius that you have. And when I say we are going to change the world with our marks, um, I mean it. So I will apropos close with this statement. I need you to let these words resonate, and I need you to share these words with everyone in your presence. You are a genius, and the world needs your contribution. And I thank you so much for getting up early and for being here and for everything that you do and are about to do. I love you. Thank you. And if anybody wants to take the mic, please do. And I'll, <laughs> and I'll stay on for a few questions. So you can follow the hashtag um, choose to matter and we have a lot of them dot day. Um, and you know how to get a hold of me. So know that you are invited, that you are welcome, and you are cherished. So thank you very much. No one wants to take the mic. If I was sitting in front of you, I would make Hi, Lisa. I mean, Enter. Um, not too sure if you can hear me. Um, just want to say great presentation. Um, the work that you're doing also um, dovetails to adult learning. I work with adult learners in homeless centers in the U.S. and uh, I watch women that have uh, that are completely illiterate uh, write incredible poetry. And uh, in Africa, I've seen kids that are illiterate uh, do whole videos. So uh, it, it is uh, a true thing that you're saying, and so thanks a lot. You are welcome, Richard. Thank you for the work that you are doing. When I say it takes your breath away to watch individuals who have been 
some way their genius has been denied gives them the chance to let it come out, it is, it, when it's unleashed, it is unstoppable. I've never, you can't build a, a standard high enough. You can't make a bar big enough. They will fly over it. It's just, you just have to get out of the way and let it happen and, and just, just try to breathe. Uh, just a, a quick thing. Uh, there's a, a Dr. Joni Schwartz in Brooklyn, and um, she does work on minority youth and the value of mentoring. And uh, the work that you do comes out in mentoring. Her concept is that kids are pushed out of schools and school systems. And the new research on STEM is not, STEM is not putting kids into Ivy League schools, but it's the exceptional teachers and the mentoring they get. And um, your point about love and appreciation of the individual is such a key thing, and, and we've worked very hard to sanitize that um, out of our curriculums. And that's a, a key thing that has to be reversed. Absolutely, absolutely. We need to, I think using the word love is, is something that has been, we've been asked to leave our hearts at the door. and. If we don't secure the heart, we don't have a shot at the brain. And that's straightforward biology. There's nothing warm fuzzy about that. There's nothing motivational about that. We have an imperative. And we also have an opportunity to secure the heart. And mattering is essential. It is DNA. It is not ego. Well, anyway, we wish you the best of, of luck with this work. Um, we have some tools on our side in our NGO that we can help in some of these programs. And uh, I'll send you some links. But thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank you. And anyone else in the room want to grab the mic? This is great. I would love to hear from you. Andrea, thank you so much for all that you've done in this project. As you can see, I, I don't know if you've been able to keep up with all of the stuff that's going on in the chat. but. Obviously, you are changing the world just by continuing to forge forward and not let any genius be left behind. So I can't say enough thank you and to all the people you've already touched. I'm sure that they share my sentiments. Um, it's a deeply moving way to remember that everything we do in education and outside of education um, really does impact the child. And if we can or want a better future, if we can have a better future or want a better future, there's no better way than, as you said, and I really liked it, securing the heart. So thank you. Thank you so much. And I know you said me, and I'm, I'm just a little part in this. It is a we, and, and the force of the we is what gives you courage. It's what gives you amazing courage because uh, you, one person can't do it alone. It is the leveraging of the individuals and, and the people that I get to work with and learn from every day. It is, I, it, when you say like it, when that seventh grader said it feels like love, it does. It just feels like this euphoric, like it doesn't really matter because there's this force of love that you get to go to every day, no matter what your circumstances are. And it's, it's, like nothing I've ever experienced before. It's incredible. I put. I know that that I'm going to go back and read the chat, and the the talk will be archived. Know that there's many many resource links in the chat as well as in the deck. So I put 
all the slides up there. If you want to use any of them, feel free. I put all the links to Dot Day, the links to the the guide. We will have more information coming from Skype on how we can get connected via technology and all kinds of good stuff coming. So I just you know want to leave you and and let you know that you absolutely do matter and that your actions do count. So thank you and have a wonderful wonderful Friday.